How do you apply metaphysics to make big things happen, even in business, even in your life, even in your relationships? What is the key to applying metaphysics to make big things happen? Let's say like new earth. Today, we are here with Derek Loudermilk, who is the creator of the Leap Method of Quantum Creation. And he's a host of the Derek Loudermilk Show, and he's been on an unintentional metaphysical quest for the last eight years, and we're going to hear all about it, including unified field manifestation and telepathy. So join us for this astounding conversation. Well, hello and welcome everybody back to Soul Nectar Show, that show where we talk about all things essence, where we gather around the campfire together like our ancestors did before us. And we tell our stories and we share our our experiences and we connect with that which is bigger than us. I'm your host, Carrie Hummingbird, and I love having these podcast shows week after week. You can always join us on Soul Nectar Tribe. We we have a telegram portal where we do daily tips and inspiration. And so check that out at my website, CarrieHummingbird.com, K-E-R-R-I, Hummingbird.com. And of course, Soul Nectar Show, you can check out all the beautiful, yummy stuff, SoulNectar.show. And today, what's on my heart is that, you know, as we approach this concept or this idea, this beingness of new earth. Many of us are talking about new earth. Like how do we create new earth? How do we start something new? Because many of us recognize we've been in a fractalization of concepts that were started many thousands of years ago that just kept fractalizing and fractalizing and fractalizing and fractalizing into like this current reality we're now experiencing. And then we get the opportunity to create something different, something new, something outside the box, something that our ancestors didn't even dream of. And everything has been bringing us to this state of evolution, right? It's been evolving and evolving and evolving. And we've been getting different versions of it and new souls come in and say, I'm going to do this with that. You know, here's these raw materials. I want to create something new. And collectively now, many of us have decided we're creating new earth. So we're not interested in continuing the way it has been just because that's the way it is. We're interested in actually creating something new from our hearts, from a higher consciousness space. And the question is how, you know, I mean, that's really what's on many people's hearts is how, and it's not just like a metaphysical, like spiritual thing, although metaphysical spiritual thing is everywhere. So like, as soon as you start working on one aspect of your spirituality, it starts to affect everything in your life, including business, you know, business is not separate from metaphysics. Business is not separate from spirit. It's all connected. Everything is connected. So as we make one change within ourselves, it ripples out to like everything in our lives and everything also grows and changes along with us because we're making these key decisions and we're bringing this into our realities. We're manifesting it into the third dimension. But like how, (laughs) you know, like people still are, and me too, like I'm always looking at the mystery, like how does this thing work? What's actually happening here? And what's the most efficient way 
what's the most efficient, non-dramatic way of manifesting into the 3D? What do we actually want? And so today we're going to have an awesome guest for this conversation, Derek Loudermilk. Welcome, Derek. Just say hi for a second so people can hear you. Hi, Carrie. Good to be here. Yeah, it's good to see you. So, you know, Derek, he's a quantum business coach. You know, he brings the metaphysics into the business conversation in a science way. Isn't that sexy? Because like we all are like, how do you explain this stuff? So he is the host of the Derek Loudermilk Show, Science, Spirituality, and Adventure. We all love adventure, especially if you're if you're with me and we're going to Dana Medicine. We are all about the adventure. We have no idea what's going to happen. It's going to be fun, though. So I mean, this is really the conversation we're going to have today. How do you revolutionize your career? How do you make big things happen? How do you activate your life? And these are all the things that, that Derek is involved in. And he also, this is really extra sexy, just got done on un- unintentional, I want to say unintentional, you know, how those things happen after the fact you realize that's what you were doing. This is one of those moments for Derek. Unintentional, eight years around the world, metaphysical quest. Wow. Eight years, metaphysical quest around the world. I want to hear about this. So Derek, tell us about yourself. Just give my audience a snapshot because they're just meeting you for the first time. So just a little bit about yourself and then tell us about this quest because I want to hear, I want, I'm really curious about it. Yeah. So I'm a, I'm a born explorer, born adventurer. All of my careers, my previous 3D careers, I was a scientist, I was a pro athlete, pro cyclist, and everything just took me on a life of adventure and spirituality is part of that. And the quest began actually, partly it was due to going to these sacred sites and living with tribes around the world and just having magical experiences. And partly it was becoming a dad. So my son just turned seven and I've been doing a lot of physical adventures, expeditions before that. And I knew that I was going to be going out into the world less, but I still needed some adventure, some excitement. And this woman actually found me. This was my first experience of kind of the the magic of business. She found me on the internet. She was like, I'm an oracle. My guides told me to hire you. And I was like, whoa, that's amazing. That's the easiest uh, customer I've ever gotten. And she ended up giving me a session so I could understand how she worked. And she said, you know, you're going to need to start practicing lucid dreaming so that you can have adventures every night while you sleep instead of having to go on an expedition into the wilderness. And I was like, that sounds cool. So I did. I got into dreaming. And that was one of the very first practices that I paid a lot of attention to. And I still dream work in general is still a major part of my, you know, daily practice. Some of these things on the quest, I like, I tried them once and it was interesting and didn't go back to it. But some of them have become part of my routine, including you mentioned the four directions or before the show, you were calling in the four directions. And, you know, each morning I go out and just connect with with the directions and the elements and, and things like that with my kids now they come out and do that with me which is fun so yeah but halfway through the quest i realized that i had done maybe 50 or 60 different practices you know sitting with shamans or finding a healer that did something like uh, crystal resonance therapy and i was like that's interesting let's go check that out so a lot of these were based on curiosity a lot of people i end up interviewing on my show I would do a session with them and then interview them to find out how it works. Because I really like to understand the mechanics. What are the physics behind manifesting or chakras or this, that, and the other thing? 
because of my science training. And actually, when I when I first experienced telepathy about nine years ago, the first thing I did this was with a um, a thousand year old tree deep in the jungles of Bali. Really amazing tree. I've been back to it a couple of times, and my first thought was, "How does that work? How did I have that experience? What's going on?" Because if I experienced it, then there must be a way that I did that. And it was sort of outside of my, at that time, I was more of a materialist. So I ended up flipping that, which basically means materialism is common in science still. So everyone thinks like the material world is the foundation when now we know that consciousness is the foundation and the material world is just a byproduct of that. So I had to flip my thinking around that once I started understanding the, the mechanics of it. So yeah, halfway through, I realized I can set up a structure here and make it an actual quest, which is really just an excuse to prioritize certain types of learning or something. My, I had a previous quest to go to every state in the United States. I did that on my 30th birthday. So quests are also really just a kind of fun framework to do your learning or your adventuring through. Yeah, I love this. And you know what I'm thinking as you're sharing about your tree in Bali is that when I was at the Holy Mountain in uh, 2021, they, we, our group, we created those stone towers, which are like antennas, actually. So that, like little stone towers, people see them. I don't know what they're called. I keep forgetting the word for it, but you placing the stones on top of each other to create like yeah, a... Yeah, like a, like a cairn? Yeah, like a cairn. And so we created those at the base of the Holy Mountain because we had been at the Holy Mountain we were physically at the Holy Mountain, and then we created this cairn so that we could always go back. If we don't have mm. to physically go back. We can connect with the mountain every single day. Like when I open sacred space, that cairn helps me connect with the mountain. I connect in that space. And I really do feel like it's important to put your body in certain spaces, but then like you can communicate with your tree anytime, right? Because now you know how to astro travel. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. I, I've come to realize recently a lot of these travels that I was doing Sometimes people's bodies need to go to specific coordinates on the planet just to like lock in some frequency there. And I know people that are full-time travelers and I'm like, I wonder if their real mission is just to go like spread their frequency to certain areas, you know? Yeah, I feel like that's true. And sometimes I feel like that, and this is just a silly story, but like, I'll feel like I'm called to go eat at the a certain place I never ate before and I'm called to just sit there. And sometimes I wonder, why am I sitting here? <laughs> I don't want to be here, but you know, my personality doesn't want to be here. But for whatever reason, that timing is really important for the synchronistic engine. I don't know. That's needing me to be there. And sometimes I do have an interesting conversation in those spaces. And sometimes it's just about the energy. I like that term, synchronicity engine. That's awesome. I was curious about the mountain. You said the holy mountain. Is that Mount Kailash or a different holy mountain? Yeah, so in Peru, um, because I studied with the Caro shamans in Peru, their holy mountain, they have a couple of different holy mountains, but the one that we visit is Alsengate. Alsengate is their like holy mountain. They have other holy mountains too. They have Huamanlipa. I mean, they have tons of holy mountains, but (laughs) Alsengate, we go on a pilgrimage. That's the mountain that was calling me. And so um, we took my people up there and we spent the night we spent like four days out there on the mountain and went to these various locations on the mountain and did sacred ceremony. And, you know, there's like the tourist way to go places. And then there's like the spiritual way. I'm really glad that you seem to have gone a spiritual way. I feel like a lot of people 
like when they go to Peru, they go to Machu Picchu, right? They go like check out Machu Picchu and Machu Picchu is amazing. I want to say it's amazing what the culture did back then. It's just like incredible to be in that space, but gosh, there's like really cool spaces to go to that are really off the beaten path that you sit with the shaman and you do some ceremony there. And it's like, wow, like, what is this place? You know, and, and it's that subtle, invisible, yet palpable, energetic in these places that they know are sacred that they don't like advertise, you know, cause they, they don't want it trampled, but they, they invite you if you're really on the path to be part of that experience. And I think that's probably true around the whole world. I imagine. Yeah. You're reminding me of, I'm in the middle of this project that I've been called to do, which is called the five rivers healing project. I live in the Midwest So we have the Mississippi, the Missouri, the Illinois, the Ohio, and the Merrimack Rivers all come together within this like 100-mile stretch of river. And that's the water for two-thirds of the country that flows through here. And I've been going, doing these ceremonies at the confluence points, and I've only ever done the ceremonies in the bitter, awful cold. (laughs) And it's like... Every time I get there, I'm like, why did I pick this day? Or like, why is the weather so terrible? And I, you know, wake up before sunrise and I'm out there sometimes by myself. And it's like, what am I even doing? You know, but sometimes I feel like I just have to, I have to go to these sites and sometimes they're really dirty. You know, they're not used for anything anymore because there's no Native Americans or anyone that knows the history of the land. It's just like, maybe there's a, a barge parked there, or maybe it's a commercial site now because no one's really thinking about the river and the land in that same way. Yeah. But sometimes you just have to go to these random places and do a, a thing. And I, I don't even really know what I'm doing. So, <laughs> so when you're, I mean, that, but that is the synchronistic engine that, that is like calling you to go and do something that seems pointless or curious about its purpose or, but it just feels right. And I'm going to go and get, hang out here in this spot and I'm going to yeah. pray and I'm going to hope that my prayers actually do something good, but it's intangible, right? Like it's, I don't know, maybe you're getting mystical visions of like Jesus showing up and saying, that was a really good thing that you just did or something. (laughs) But like, I haven't had those. I just have to have like this knowing inside my heart that that was, that there was something that happened there that was really powerful and just trust that. Is that the same for you? Yeah. You know, I think it's, it's like the rational mind that comes in is like, what, what, what are the steps here? Am am I doing it right? But yeah, if I, this project came in and instantly I knew it actually came in three years ago, right? maybe that's not four years ago, right before the pandemic started, I was like, we're going to do it. It's going to be amazing. And I'm going to have all these people do it with me. And that didn't pan out. But my goal was to actually, my initial vision for the project was to set a world record. So world's largest crystal grid or world's largest peace meditation or something like that. And I was going to try to link all the churches in the region and all the spiritual groups and have them each, because I've been studying signs of quartz, and crystal grids and things like that. I was like, we could put our prayers into the crystals and then we could have, so what's really cool is that you can put an intention into a crystal and then you can run water past it. And then the water picks up that intention from the crystal. So you could, you could put like a, just a reset intention, like a, like a peace and detox and pure purity intention into a crystal and then have the river run past it. And then the rivers would sort of help probably be assisted to clean themselves up right and the, the water being the circulatory system of the of the country of the continent um i thought oh this will be great and then I, 
I try to try to make it fun. That's why I was like, oh, world record, just get people excited, you know, because even if they don't understand how the process works, at least they're going to want to participate in it. And it was like this huge vision. And then three years later, it's just it's just me on the banks of the river by myself with my drum. And (laughs) I want to say, actually, that's so beautiful that it is because I have the same impulses. I feel like you and I share being messengers. And as a messenger, we want to share the message, right? Like we want a lot of people to hear the message. And my guidance is always telling me it's not about fame. It's about influence. So that thing you're doing is actually influencing a lot of people in a way that's so subtle. They don't even know it's happening. They're being influenced towards peace, towards vitality, towards love. And let's just say influence is a lot of responsibility to hold because some of us are waking up, most of us, and and to our degree of waking up, we might inadvertently have subconscious intentions. We don't even know that we'd be putting in the crystal. You know what I'm saying? Like depending on our ability to really know ourselves in truth. So I think, I do think it takes a lot of personal awareness of our own shadows and our own path and ourselves so that when we show up to it, we're really clear. Like crystals will pick up all the intentions. Yeah. And I think your project could still happen. I just think maybe people needed more time and space to get to the place where they could make really powerful intentions beyond self-interest, just purely for the good of all. That's a lot. That's a big ask, right? Because we're humans (laughs) and we're doing our best, but we also are unaware of some of our unconscious motivations. Yeah, or even just being able to maintain a clean attention for 60 seconds to set your intention. Like, you know, exactly. oh, I, I did it for six seconds and where did my mind go? <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. It's like when you're setting intention in the crystal, because I'm practicing with a crystal wand right now. That's why I'm particularly keyed into this conversation <laughs> because I have certain intentions. Like I would love more people to choose to be earth keepers, right? I'd love more people to choose to be a carrier of the Mesa which is, you know, a signifier of being here for earth and and for the goodness of all. And like, as I'm sitting there holding the crystal, I'm watching my mind and I'm like, I'm coming from my heart to hold this pure intention. And my mind's going, what's for dinner tomorrow? (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, wait, 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 Nate. No, we have to be clear, clear intentions that we're not mind wandering. Right. But like super clear and focused for as long as you can hold the vision. And this is kind of what Dr. Joe Dispenza was talking about. Right. Is like, Like he was able to hold the vision so clearly, you know, a rose just materializing from the universe in his hand that somebody, what happened was, what happened was he tells the story of it. He so clearly visualized this rose materializing in his hand for like days on end in this, in this material, he kept revisiting this meditation that somebody had to actually drive to his house and hand him a rose. They got the vision so clear, they had to actually drive their car to his house and hand him a rose. They're like, I don't know why I need to do this, but you have to have this. I don't even know who you are. Like, that's how clear he was, right? So how do we get there, Derek? Like, how do we shut this thing? Like, the chattering mind. Like, when we're creating intentions, we don't even know we're messing ourselves up sometimes, right? Yeah, for me the process has been really one of just accepting and largely I I get to practice with my family members, my wife and kids, and just really accepting them exactly how they are, 
who they're being and how they're showing up has rippled out into everything. Because when I'm at peace with whatever other people are doing, then I don't get drawn into as many stories. So I'm able to maintain my focus just like on a concentrated thought a lot better because I'm not entangled very much. And this goes the same for like events around the world. Like how do you not get caught up in drama, right? Because that's, as my mentor says, that's like sticking your finger in the electric socket when you get caught up in that. So that's been that's been a big practice for me is just maintaining a, a state of peace and realizing, you know, all that stuff is happening, but it's really not got anything to do with me and my experience if I don't choose to. And this is something I'll say because we mentioned business and influence. In order to be able to influence a lot of people or have a large audience, like for your YouTube channel or something like that, I feel like you have to plug the power leaks. You have to have enough personal power to hold what everyone is projecting onto you, like who they think you are to them. And if you're sticking your finger in the socket, if you're getting entangled with the people or or not accepting the situation the way it is, et cetera, you're leaking your power, right? The power is constantly regenerated, but you've got a leaky boat. So that's the first thing. If you want to be influential, I believe, is to just manage all of your, your power leaks. Yeah, actually, this is the path I've been trained on as well. And it's easier said than done. And it is a practice of discernment. Because we can like shore up the really big leaks that are pretty obvious, you know, like, okay, I'm, I'm constantly getting involved and entangled in my son's journey, for example, right? It's like, oh, what's going on here? And getting emotionally invested. But then there's more subtle ones like you were talking about when we put ourselves out there. And I think this is a reason why a lot of budding thought leaders and messengers, they feel like it's scary to be visible. Like there's like this unconscious belief that it's really frightening to be visible And I think it's because of this projection field is because at the moment you put yourself out there to more and more people that you are encountering their projections of you and how to not take those personally so that they don't like get into your energy or influence you in that way. You know, like, you know who you are, right? You have to know who you are in truth really strongly in order to not take it all personally. What are your thoughts on that? Because I know that's a thing because I've been experiencing it for sure. Yeah, I actually had an encounter with Captain America a while back, and he was teaching me that he's this normal guy who happens to have superpowers and became a symbol. Like, like this is Captain America's story. He's like on all the posters. He means so many things to so many people because he's a propaganda story, but he's also just a guy who's just trying to live in integrity. And so he was teaching me about what it means to be a symbol to people that they latch on stories and meaning to him as a person. And so he's got to manage that. He's got to understand that all those egregores maybe would would be the term exist between him and and the the people that witness him. And he's just got to keep living as himself as well. It's really interesting because I I never really thought much about Captain America before, but. Yeah. Well, for some little, it's like Spider-Man, you know, for like some little kids, that's a big deal. You know, they, they dress up in the Spider-Man costume at Halloween or it's Captain America, you know, it's something to look up to. And then that can be a really, you know, that pedestal has a long way to fall off of it. You know, so, you know, this is what religious leaders always have problems with is that they're human and they're going to make mistakes and, you know, you're going to fall off that pedestal sooner or later, you know, somebody's going to trigger them somehow, you know, and they're going to, their humanity is going to come out and be visible. It's like, oh, they're human too. 
what? I thought they were superhuman. No, they're just human. They're just doing a really good job at having integrity. So how can we, you know, how can we be powerful? I mean, you're, you're talking about eight years, metaphysical quest. You, you study with all these various medicine people and different traditions. Did you distill it down? I mean, what did you realize? Like how many practices can you actually practice on a daily basis? And how did you choose like which ones you were actually going to do? Is there any commonality between all of them? Well, there's a lot. Um, you know, I tested a bunch of different healing practices, you know, from like EFT to emotion code to vocal transformation, you know, Reiki. I learned all the all the things. And I feel like there's not as much left to uncover on the healing side because, you know, you go through layers and layers and layers. And then eventually it's like, I don't, I don't really feel like I need need anything else from that side of things. And so a lot of those were, you know, one, two, three, four, five sessions. I am still really interested in um, QHHT, getting Dolores Cannon. I haven't uh, dug into her work except for recently, and I'm, I'm pretty intrigued by the subconscious. And I've been using hypnosis for a long time to program identity. Just a lot of times, if you want to accomplish something as an entrepreneur, you start with who you need to be. So you program the identity, and then you program the habits, and then you know everything else just falls into place from there. So on the healing side of things, you know, a lot of times you can do a, a one-off session and get dramatic results. Like my my kid was ten out of ten fear of dogs, and I just posted on on my Facebook groups where I know lots of healers and different practitioners. I say who who can help with my kid and uh, a friend who is an emotion code practitioner. She's like, I can. I can probably do that. And in one session, remotely, she was in a different state. He went from a 10 out of 10 to neutral. You know, one out of 10 totally doesn't even really think about dogs anymore. And it was amazing because in in her report, she basically said she had found 35 or so charges that had built up in his heart wall connection, but, you know, that were getting in the way of him a good relationship with dogs. And only four of them came from this lifetime. And only two of them were his, like two of them were mine and two of them were his. And then the rest were all from other, other lifetimes, I guess. And I mean, that taught me like how much can, can bleed through from lifetime to lifetime and take on experiences from other people. And he didn't need all, all those charges, like they weren't serving a, a purpose. Right. So it cleaned it up really quick. And it, that's so cool because right now he just has a clean, a clean shot. And that's kind of how I think of healing. like. We just need to clear away the debris to allow us to just sort of have a clear path to just to be who we are and deliver our what we agreed to do when we're here. Yeah. And I think the healing is always going to apply as long as we're going for the next bid for power. So like, you know, as long as we're expanding, right, as long as we're we're deepening, as long as we're continuing to dream with our soul for that next thing, that next level of whatever within us, then that is going to automatically initiate this next level of healing. Like me starting my podcast seven years ago, that was a lot, right? Like it was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to like go out and speak about all these crazy topics and everyone's going to think I'm crazy because it's like spirituality and I'm going to go in the deep end and they're going to go, whoa, 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 whoa. I didn't want to be perceived that way. I was, I had 20 years in high tech. So I didn't want people to think of me that way. But then, like you said, I love what you said about pick the identity. I was like, I'm, I'm going to be Carrie Hummingbird. What does that even mean? And so I had to decide, what does that mean? What does it mean to be Carrie Hummingbird? And then as an entrepreneur, 
I'm responsible for my own dream and the manifestation of my own dream, like continuing on the path until it manifests. So there is like those unconscious blocks and like, I don't want people to ridicule me. Like I had a lot of like ridicule experience, you know, um, in my marriage for 20 years. So I was like battling a lot of this feeling of being ridiculed, you know, and not wanting to be ridiculed. And so as I got through that, look at me today, like I'm perfectly fine being on here, talking about whatever, but that took effort, you know, but then there's also like, now I'm on the next level of like being called to create community, conscious community around, you know, the Mesa. Well, that calls me up inside into a new level of leadership. And if I go on the TEDx stage, that's going to call me up to the, and I'm a little afraid of it. I'll still, you know, so that's going to call me up to the next level of like, oh my God, I'm going to stand in front of all these people. And what are they going to think about me? And I'm going to feel it in the moment because I'm super sensitive and open and that terrifies me. What if I just go on the stage, you know? So those things, right. That's going to initiate more healing. Right. So like we're, we have to, if we want to keep evolving. We got to keep dreaming. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And the way I experience that process now is instead of going out to get healing, like I realize I'm going to have to let go of something and it can be a painful, you know, shamanic death type of process. And then you just go through it and then you're like, okay, I'm, I moved up, I have a new plateau or whatever. And you just have to go through that, whatever it is, physical discomfort, emotional discomfort. You just sit still for a week. Who knows exactly what it is. I'm kind of going through that right now. I've had I don't know if you can hear, but the listener might, might hear, I have this scratch in my throat. I had it for nine weeks. It's crazy. It won't go away. And as someone who teaches and speaks for my business, it's crazy. And having to cancel you know, calls and it's really just forcing me to slow down because I can't deliver the constant talking. And it's, I still don't know exactly the, the lesson or the scope of it, but it's wild. I just got a hit for you because... You were talking about telepathy. I kid you not, Derek. There is something about telepathy because the soul doesn't really use that many words. If you notice, I hardly ever hear my soul's voice. Very rarely do I hear a voice. It's more like just a knowing. And I think we're being encouraged, like maybe not so much talking, you know, like there's a different way telepathically that we can transmit information to people, or maybe it's just an energetic. Yeah. Yeah. I've been joking that the next book I'm writing is actually, um, you just have to tune into it telepathically. (laughs) It won't actually be published. (laughs) Save a lot of time. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. Imagine the podcast, right? Wherever one hour go. (laughs) (laughs) People are like, is there anything going on there? but they would have to tune in. The reason I say this is because shamanic journey is one of those paradigms that I became aware that as I was leading people on shamanic journey and I was guiding it, they were already where I said, like they were already there. Like if I said, we're walking down the staircase now, and then there's a door up ahead, they were already at the door. If I said, we walked out into a meadow and now there's a big mountain in front of us, they were already at the holy mountain. I didn't have to say it, actually. They were already there. And I've had feedback from some of my students saying, I didn't even hear what you said. I was just already there. And so, like, in a way, just shut up. <laughs> you know, like, like, you don't need to guide me. And so I'm in this interesting conversation myself with, when do I need to stop talking? Because some of the students might need that little bit of nudge 
because they might still be too much in their minds. But other ones are like, no, I don't need that anymore. I'm there. Like just, just create the space for me to, to connect. Right. Cause I'm just, I'm just here to, I, my guides told me you're a door opener. So open the door. You're not a teacher. You're a door opener. We're the teachers. <laughs> I was like, yeah. okay, you're the, I'm a door opener. I open the door to you and you teach and I get to learn too. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's, so, it's such an effective parenting technique. I have five, seven year old and then six months old, but if I'm not, actually reprimanding my kids but just like sending them the emotion of like "Uh, uh, uh, don't do that then they just stop and i don't have to actually tell them get off the couch with those scissors then they'll just (laughs) do it and that works pretty well because we then we sort of avoid conflict in that way and with my colleague dita young we've been teaching this telepathy course for three seasons now and One of the hardest parts is just people understanding how they process telepathic information, understanding what, you know, because a lot of people think, oh, I just made that up. That's my imagination. That's not actual telepathy. And it can feel like that, but that's part of it. And then some people get it visually. Some people get words chirping at them. Some people see, you know, see a movie. Some people just know things, right? Clear sentience. And so a big part of this is learning to trust how you receive and process nonverbal and telepathic information. But once you learn that, then you can really do a lot of communicating without without words. And you have another one of those courses coming up in January. So perfect opportunity for everybody to check that out. And we're we'll put the link below. But like that's very fascinating. Yeah. And I think I do think that's where the world is going. My eldest son, for a while I was having a hard time because he didn't want to use words. And I love words. And so like we were having this, like, how do we communicate? Because you don't use words and I use a lot of them. So luckily we're kind of meeting in the middle more. But there was one time I actually heard what he said inside my head. I was like, I'm sure what you said. Did you speak that? And he said, yeah. I was like, oh my God, I just heard what you said inside my head. So, I mean, I'm like, you know, I'm 54, so I'm the older model, you know. (laughs) But, But it's just cool how we're, we have epigenetics and, you know, so we can, we can transform everything and in our consciousness, that's really cool. We can upgrade ourselves if we choose to. So you also have a free gift, I want to say. I know this conversation has been so amazing and I am wrapping it up, you guys. But I mean, I could stay on for a long time, but see, Derek can't even speak right now. So you'd have to all be just listening to dead air and hoping <laughs> that you got the message. <laughs> so there's actually a free gift you're offering too. The Unified Field Manifestation it's a group manifestation protocol. Can you tell us just a little bit about that before um, we head out? Yeah. On my quest and my research, I was really fascinated by the power of eight, which is Lynn McTaggart's work around small group healing circles. And they have phenomenal results. You know, there's one person that receives the healing. They're the focal point of the intention. And then the circle is eight people sending that healing intention. And I thought, we can do this for anything. We could send our intentions for any result. And since I work with entrepreneurs largely or people that are working on some big project, we adapted that sort of group intention to whatever it is, whether it's getting a TEDx talk, right? Or launching a new program. The, the, the way that we do it in my in my groups is that maybe three or four people will share an intention and then we pick the one that feels the most alive for our group on that day. And they'll be the focal point. And we take turns, you know, we do this every month. So everyone gets the chance to 
be the receiver of the intention. And we have, over the last five years, 100% success rate in the intentions coming true. Wow. Sometimes it happens really fast, like three weeks or less. Sometimes it takes longer. The longest one was one of these guys, he married a woman who was Afghani and she was wanted to immigrate to the States. And there was just so much red tape that it took two years for them to be become a family here. But sometimes it can be really quick, like, you know, $10,000 by the end of the month for sure is a really easy one. And so part of it is that you're speaking out loud what it is that you want. That does a lot of the work for aligning the actions and synchronicities to fall into place for you. And then we all, you know, spend 10 to 15 minutes sending the intention. And what's really cool is we get a lot of precognition about how the thing will unfold. So after we do the sending the intention in the meditation part, we often share and we'll say, hey, I got some guidance for you around um, when you go on that TEDx stage, you should actually be wearing all green. So just so you know, that's how I saw you. Just really interesting stuff like that. Or, or you're going to meet a Spanish guy and he's going to have a project for you. Heads up. Well, that's so cool. <laughs> so that's really fun. Oh, that's um, fun. That's like the Celestine prophecy in action, right? Like you're unlocking that. Um, yeah, I don't. Yeah. I, it's been so long since I read that, but. So I'm basically just sharing with people how they can do their own, use this protocol for anything they want in their lives. And when you do it yourself, it's great. But when you do it with a group of people, it works so much better. And it just creates this love field between people because we all want what you're wanting. We want the world to have that thing that you're saying that you want to create. So let's all do it together. Oh, I love that. That is so resonant with me. I love it so much. Thank you for that gift. So we will put the link in the show notes, everyone. So you'll have a link to go access the Unified Field Manifestation. And I'm also going to put a link to the telepathy course. So please go check that out. And I'll also put a link to Derek's podcast because of course you want to go check out the Derek Laudermilk show now because like he just heard all this stuff and he's still speaking. You know, he's not doing it telepathically yet. So please go check it out while he still speaks. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks so much for coming on the show today. I appreciate it. Making space for us and, and helping us be one of the few that get to hear your voice recently. So we'll give all the links and please share this out with anybody that you know. Are there any last words you want to you want to share with us, Derek, before you stop speaking entirely? Well, okay, it's been it's been fun hanging out with you today. Yeah, thanks so much. Awesome. Okay, everyone. So we're gonna give kisses, Derek. You can join me uh, if you want to. I always give kisses, everybody. Just sending my love to you guys. Thank you for being with us all the way to the end of the show. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for sharing the message out to as many people as possible. And we just love you. And we'll see you next week. See you next week on Soul Nectar Show, everyone. Bye for now. If you found even one gold nugget in this episode of Soul Nectar Show, will you do us a favor? Will you subscribe, like, and share this episode? Maybe even write a comment and let us know what you thought about it. We really, really want to engage with you at a much deeper level. Let's be part of community together. Have a great week, everyone. Bye for now. To dive in deeper to nourishing conversation, visit soulnectar.show. Soul